0: All right, this episode of the Undisputed Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Football is back, baby. We're back seeing Mahomes sling beautiful balls all over the field. And your friends at Manscaped are here to help you sling your beautiful balls. With Manscaped's state-of-the-art technology, we'll have your weapon looking more loaded than the AFC West. Football may be rough, but your ball care doesn't have to be with Manscaped. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to
1: manscaped.com for 20% off, free shipping with the code UNDISPUTED. All right, time for you to meet the best valued bundle yet for the Manscaped Pocket Rockets, the Platinum Package.
2: At quarterback, the Lawn Mower 4.0 Trimmer. A wily vet who makes sure the unit is running smooth and scoring non-stop. Plus, it's waterproof, so the weather conditions are no issue. And at running back, the Weed Whacker. Ear and nose hair trimmer
0: built
1: to bust through. All the right holes. Now, on the offensive line, we have our unsung heroes, the Crop Preservers. Ball deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to keep your boys fresh and clean through all four quarters.
2: wide out, the cleanest duo in the league. The ultimate premium body wash and ultra premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. These two leave your skin, scalp, feeling more hydrated. That means more plates in the field and less water breaks.
0: And that tight end, the product that makes your end look tight, manscaped, anti chafing boxer briefs, a dedicated jewel pouch to increase ball handling and a cool, steady vibe. Thanks to their moisture-wicking fabric.
2: On the defense, there's only one thing you need: the aluminum-free ultra-premium deodorant with redefined cologne or cologne quality fragrance. It keeps wet and locker room scents from making any ground. Plus, it dries clear, so the opponent won't even know you hit him or what hit him.
1: Killing me with this read, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> to top it all off, we're throwing in the best coach in the league, the shed travel bag, as a free bonus built to hold the team together. This travel size bag has a fumble resistant zipper. This has got to be a Super Bowl-winning roster, but don't take my
0: word for it. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code undisputed. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code undisputed. Manscaped for turning your player into an MVP.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undisputed podcast with Bobby Fields. Whoa, why are you talking like that? Yeah, that's a little too much, I think.
1: Moving on. Welcome to the Undisputed Podcast.
2: Yeah, it's too late. Right, it. We're going.
0: Tom, Tom, Dennis, Frank.
2: Doctor, Hi, doctor.
0: doctor. I'm going
2: to here. Awkward silence. Okay, let's uh, let it rip. <laughs> Papa Ganoush.
0: Put on a podcast.
2: Who's our guest this week?
0: Are you talking to me, Frank? You're the host. Oh, okay. I was unaware of this, but now that I know, uh, our guest this week is... Uh,
2: a true legend.
0: Yes, a legend. Um,
2: All-time great. Dirty. Filthy.
0: He's, some would say filthy. Uh, none other than uh, the filthiest...
3: Tom Lawler. Hi, Tom. What's going on, guys? We're actually recording. That was the intro? Yeah. That was a very yeah. professionally done intro. I, Bobby, I'd like to actually amend your introduction of me. Because believe it or not, I am the fourth Thomas Joseph Lawler. Oh, wow. And I think my dad might actually be filthier than me. No. I I think it's possible, yeah. Really? Yeah. Like, stench-wise... Like, actions-wise, all across the board.
0: I feel like we should have had your wife on here, and we could have asked her, like, does he, I mean, is he that dirty?
3: She's at work, luckily, okay. for me. She would take the, any opportunity to get on here and bury me, believe me. <laughs> I like think that's what wives are supposed to do. Yeah. Right? Luckily, she's off making the money for the household. Okay. Somebody yeah. has to. Yeah, so I can be here and play around.
0: Somebody's gonna be out there to kill the buffalo.
3: <laughs> it ain't me, oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Frank. Neither. I try not to. Now, Dennis and I will kill some buffalo.
1: I think I've actually seen you do that. Bare buffalo wings. Yeah, and 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 what I witnessed, I won't. We won't get into. Right.
3: I mean, I've been hunted. I've I've hunted down some buffalo Mm -hmm. in my day, some water buffalo late night after drinking in college. Sure. 3 a.m. You run into somebody at the water buffalo roaming the pizza spot. Yeah. you you got an empty (laughs) spot in the bed. You've been to upstate New York? Oh, actually, you know, I went to college in Orlando. Yeah. Of all places in Florida, which, uh, you know, there's various – wildlife down there it's all well, over. It's a the big small
0: i would imagine you may have fought on a native american reservation or two
3: uh now that i'm trying well. to think of it. i don't think i well you know i'd have to go back and think is a is the hard rock i don't even know if i fought at the hard rock but uh no you know what actually i don't think i ever did fight on an indian reservation hmm yeah the uh the government's done a really good job of taking away all of their land uh by this point so a- as the sport goes on, the venues are dwindling because the native American reservations are being taken still <laughs> less and less opportunities to fight on those yes what what is this yeah you're gonna fight next to india right yeah next to the the real Indians over there. Pretty soon to yeah. buy. Is this is this like on top of a building?
0: Uh I don't I, it's Coca Cola Arena, so I hope oh,
3: okay. <laughs> you know, it'll be it's not in the contract anywhere that's that, on top of a building. I, mean, I don't know if it was like two hundredth floor of the Burj Khalifa. User you
0: know? <laughs> plummets to their death.
3: <laughs> be careful what you wish for.
0: Yes. Well, over there for sure. I mean, isn't there like stiff um Laws against like theft and whatever, where they like chop off your hand.
3: And... I, yeah, I think I still would imagine. Unknown
0: that. shoplifter. Tom.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what are you stealing? Protein powder.
2: You know, bicycles. A bit of, a bit of that you know, what you need. <laughs> Times are <for> tough. <laughs> <sighs>
3: I do know. I know all about that.
0: Yeah. So I was thinking today. Knowing that uh, you were coming on and uh, Filthy Tom, Filthy Tom Lawler. Um, it's just such a perfect uh, pro wrestling name, you know, like Dirty Dick Slater, Filthy Tom Lawler. And then I was thinking, like, I would have been a hell of a tag team if you were born a few generations previous. And my dad wasn't a fireman and instead was a pro wrestler, it would have been filthy Tom Lawler and dirty Dick Fish.
3: <laughs>
0: that's got money written all over I think, it.
3: <laughs> I think so. I think I was definitely born uh, a few decades too late. But like you talk about Dirty Dick Slater, right? I also take inspiration from T.L. Hopper. Oh, oh, that's
2: fantastic. Fantastic. That,
3: my, my initials, TL, I, I you know, you got to believe everything happens for a reason.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, that's I kind of awesome. stole some inspiration from him with the gimmick, you know. And actually, I mean, actually, Bobby, it used to be, if I can give you the origin of the name, is that okay? Absolutely. Sure. I don't want to jump ahead. I don't know if this was like a specific question that we're going to get to. Work on, but, Listen. Um, oh, yeah, it was. We <laughs> oftentimes
0: make no sense. Oh, so. <laughs>
3: no, right in you know, man, chronology or anything, please. Um, when I when I started fighting, it was originally just like Tom. we were trying to come up with a nickname, Tom the Mauler Lawler, right? Because well, yeah, it rhymes. <laughs> Who doesn't want a rhyming nickname? Those are always the coolest, right? Duh. Very creative. Um, and then my, one of my friends is like, this just, it, it's not enough. You need more. Like, it doesn't really describe you well enough. And he he came up with the filthy mauler. Uh, so for a while, it was Tom the filthy mauler lawler. And then when I went on the Ultimate Fighter eight, it was still that. It was still the filthy mauler. Uh, okay. But I got mauled, essentially, in one of those fights. And I was like, I don't think you can call yourself the mauler. Right. Anymore, right. if somebody else mauls you, like they are now right. essentially the mauler, right? Yeah. So, it's so I dropped your it. nickname, yeah. So, I we got rid of it, and
0: filthy was born, <laughs> yeah, filthy. And,
3: and it worked out better in the <laughs> long run, somehow.
0: That's an interesting story because I, I had no idea. I just, you know, I know as long as I've known you, it's just filthy Tom.
3: It's, it's more fitting. I mean, it was Filthy Tom before, even when it was just the Filthy Mauler. Uh, but I just didn't know it, you know?
0: Okay. Well, but it makes sense as to how you got there now. Yeah. 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 It wasn't just, eh, he stinks, you know? <laughs>
3: me. I mean, so that is part of it, I think. We, we figured because he stinks, he's got to be dirty. And, you know, dirty's
2: boring, but filthy. <laughs> well, that's got money on it filthy's got a little pinage to it, a little a little class yeah,
3: yeah. oh well, yeah. Well, I don't know about that maybe more <laughs> ass I don't know about class <laughs> well there was um there was a time Tom that we were uh we were part of the same faction yeah for like two uh two shows
0: yeah filthy uh, <laughs> filthy dragon lived for a brief period of time
3: i was i think that was the best managing i might have been the manager of the year that year um, to be probably. fair i
0: mean i think it came down to you and the and slick oh <laughs> you
3: be this was like, like 2014 or something what do you mean? Uh, slick he's, again. he's al- is he alive <laughs> Sure. <laughs>
0: He's, gonna, oh, he's passed away, but the jerry curl
2: is still still living. Is he? He's pa- He's gone? No, no Slick's not dead. Slick's not, Slick's not dead. How, How do you know, know Frank? Slick, I will, Slick is still
3: alive. All right. Are you sure he's uh, not just like well, an animatronic? Like they uh, froze no. him? It's like Weekend at Bernie's. They should. It's like Walt Disney. No,
1: I dead. would
0: go frozen. see that movie weekend at Bernie's sorry we slick. Can, the we can, style slick.
3: can we please get that hey, he's alive 64 years old huh. get some look at that huh it's not even that old the truth
0: the truth yes
2: I mean how many podcasts have our slick and a teal hopper reference within a matter of 10 minutes <laughs>
3: Probably if they're covering <laughs> WWF from 1994, <laughs> maybe, but...
2: We got to ask,
3: though, Tom, how did you come
2: up with the Shockmaster deal at the UFC? That's hilarious. I, we watched it again because Bobby brought it up, Yeah, and we YouTube i like, man, that is money.
3: Uh, well, one of the things about all of the entrances and weigh-in antics and kind of things I would do for the UFC were that they were all stolen. They were all (laughs) impressions. They were all impressions of other people. And a lot of times, like you mentioned in the show, there was no rhyme or reason. There was no chronological order. It was like, wait a minute, I've got this fight coming up. What's uh, what kind of mood am I in on this day? And then you just go with it, you know. Sometimes there'd be some misses. I'm not going to say that every single. One out of the eleven UFC fights I had was a uh, knock, knock it out of the park, grand slam. Uh, there were a couple entrances. There was one. Is that fair? Two- <laughs> it's a, yeah, actually. It's a, that's one of my exes. That's a one-man gang. Yelling at me.
0: in the house.
3: Outside the window. You know you
0: can go to it, jail for so- this. It's a
3: weird, it's a weird <laughs> stuff going on over here. Um, and now I totally forgot where I was at. But. Well,
0: we were talking about the weigh ins and uh, uh, yeah, 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 all, all that stuff they were Halloween,
3: yeah, all that stuff was just uh, stolen. So, uh, that one was in actually in Montreal, um, which has virtually no tie in right. to the Shockmaster whatsoever that I can think of. Uh, I think at, at that point, I would just some of my best work was stealing memeable offenses uh, from both pro wrestling and mixed martial arts. So uh, one of the original, actually, it was the original. uh, What? No, it would be the second one. One of the original ones I did for the UFC was the Just Bleed guy, who was kind of like a cult figure who still lives on in GIFs all across the land. You could see him. He's got Just Bleed written on his chest, and he's flexing. And I did that at UFC 100, and people were like, I don't know who the hell this guy is, but he's clearly out of his mind. (laughs) I'm a fan, and it was kind of – I felt like it was my job to continue that on. Obviously, it it worked uh, because there's a lot of guys who have fought on the mid-card of the UFC uh, who people don't remember uh, for either their fighting ability or making a jackass out of themselves. And luckily, I was able to at least, you know, master one of those – and it gets some fans because of it. So
0: (laughs) do you think that there were a fair amount of people within the company that just did that, that had no idea what you were doing? Because I mean, obviously like Dana White, to my knowledge is not a pro wrestling fan. Um, Joe Rogan, I, I don't know that he would know what the reference was to this, you know, um, bedazzled, sparkling stormtrooper yeah. helmet and uh, kind of a, a sleepless we, cape. Um, he
3: falls. We clued ball. him in. We clued him in uh, because he did not know what it was. We clued him in as to what was going to happen. We, we told him what to say because if you actually, if you watch the clip, he goes, this next man is coming out to shock the world. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we told him to say that, but he had no clue what was going on. Now, right. I don't know why, But for the first time in UFC history, they had the weigh-ins at this bizarre bar set up. Like, every other UFC weigh-in is on a stage, and you see the guys walk up. Well, they decide for this one, they're going to have people just pop out from behind a curtain. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I didn't show up knowing what the setup was going to be like. Every other time, you come out, you wave, you walk up the steps, you go on the stage, and that's what I'm expecting to do. I show up, and it's a flat stage. With a curtain with a little lip that you can trip over. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. This is fate,
0: <laughs> right? So
3: right. it was. Now, luckily for me, I think uh, I think Ariel Hawani may have been there, but I know for sure that John Pollock uh, and Wei Tang, who were um, you know pro wrestling and MMA reporters, they yeah. were there and they knew exactly what was going on. So there was a number of people at the weigh-ins who got the reference and were just, I mean, they were losing it Yeah. afterwards.
0: Yeah. Um, I, mean, I would have lost it. Myself.
3: Yeah. <laughs> a, a limited live audience, but in this kind of situation, really you're going for a quality over quantity. And, yeah. uh, I think this may have been one of my best ones.
0: Uh, <laughs> classic. I, you know, like Frank said, we, uh, we searched it out before this and, uh, the-
3: Certainly, uh, entertaining. Yeah, like Dana White, obviously, like you said, he had no clue. Joe Rogan, none of those guys. Some of the other ones, I don't think that the uh, the UFC brass necessarily was into uh, the sort of shenanigans I would do. Some of them, yes. I think they appreciated, and some of them they it would just go over their head. Like the um, the Dan Severn one I did for the weigh-ins. Which I love you know, that. That one got over huge, and I think that one got over, you know, with the UFC. It seems like anything that was kind of related to specifically the UFC, and not even just like MMA or wrestling, specifically the UFC, they were cool with it. And then when it started kind of venturing outside of that, it got a little, a little murky. You know what yeah. I mean? Because I would get some flack for some of the entrances. Um, I had, I had a song turned down one time. You know, I was very upset. It was Adam Sandler at a medium pace. They said, <laughs> no. <laughs> they actually said the song was too slow. It wasn't, apparently it wasn't the content being an issue, but it was that the song was too slow. So uh, the, the Mounty song. Uh, oh, my reason, God. I'm pretty sure, I, I think I tried to get it through uh, the avenues and it didn't go through. So there was always, you know, some blowback. Um, but you know, I did it for the fans. I did it for the people.
0: Well, what, what do you think it was that made you, um, going into these where you're, you know, basically putting on a pair of underwear and then stepping into a cage and trying to inflict harm. Another human being and defend yourself against their effort to do the same to you. Why or where do you think that came from to inject the humor um, into that moment, as opposed to being? Because I know that underneath um, you were taking it serious and you were there to fight. Everybody who's watched you fight
3: like knows that you there that there was
0: nothing jokey about your fighting yeah
3: you fought but, well there there's a couple aspects to it and you mentioned like there being nothing jokey about my fighting well it's also I don't fight very flashy you know um and part of me knows that <laughs> you know what I mean I'm not out there doing a bunch of spinning shit I'm not doing a bunch of fancy techniques. Uh, I like to wrestle. I like to box. I like to stay pretty basic. And sometimes, you know, winning fights and going on long winning streaks, um, you know, you'll get fans that way. Sometimes you got to rely on knocking dudes out left and right or, you know, being some wild submission artist like a guy like Shinya Aoki or somebody. Um, But I I wasn't able to rely specifically on that in my mind, you know? So I always thought I needed something a little bit extra, uh, to stand out. If you look at me, I mean, sure. I'm a very handsome gentleman, uh, especially considering the advanced age I'm at and the damage I've done to myself. Um, but I'm like, I look like every other white dude that wrestled, you know what I mean? (laughs) You know, like I've got a square jawline, a big, thick head, Fat cauliflower ears. I don't have like this this standout look. If you if you see me walking through the airport, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I always felt like uh, you know I need a little bit something extra. I always loved uh, when I watched wrestling when I was younger, and when I watched MMA as I was growing up. I love the guys who had a little bit of uh, panache. You know what I mean? As you mentioned earlier, a little a little bit of flair. Uh, mm-hmm. In a lot of, yeah, and and a lot of it, obviously, is taken from him because a lot of wrestlers just draw, um, you know, from the past if they're smart. Uh, yeah. And obviously, Ric Flair did a lot of things that were uh, very successful in the ring. So, uh, of sure. course, a lot of stuff from him is passed down just through, yeah, you know, just through time. I uh, mean,
0: the nature boy himself, yeah. but, like, Buddy Rogers before him, and he was bleach blonde, and he was, like... So much of
3: wrestling is just uh, recycled. Yeah, 100%. And I watched, I watched a ton of pro wrestling interviews. Um, you know, I watched a ton of pro wrestling matches. I watched a ton of MMA interviews, documentaries, everything that I could. And uh, the guys that I kind of always like gravitated to, who I enjoyed watching the most, were guys who were not only skilled fighters but also had some personality outside of the ring. And whether it was like Sakuraba would do entrances before he'd uh, come out and fight, Genki Sudo would do the same thing. Or, I mean, if you want to, if you want to use more like American counterparts, Tito Ortiz, right? You don't think of him as doing these crazy wild entrances, but he was the first guy out there with the flag, the first guy out there with fire and pyro going off behind him. And he had a very specific look. He had a very, uh you know like brandable uh look i guess um and that sort of thing you know not necessarily lost on me you know what i mean i always thought that those guys um obviously were were came off as stars and by doing the entrances doing the um impressions at weigh ins i felt like that was just kind of a way to set myself apart uh seth petrozelli thinks I do it as a coping mechanism. That's what he told me. Like, you know, he told me that he thinks I do it because I'm scared on the inside, so that's my way to hide it. And uh, I think he's out of his fucking mind. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, but that's smart on your part because I think part of the deal is, and UFC is getting yourself over, becoming a personality.
3: Yeah, and a lot of, like I said earlier, like there's a lot of guys. I didn't have, uh, you know, like main event fights. I wasn't you know, the, on the top of the card all the time, but people remember me. If they don't remember me, they at least remember some of the stuff that I did, which is a lot more than you can say for God. I mean, at this point, like I'd say 90% of the UFC roster nowadays, but even throughout history, you know, I'd say 50 to 75% of the guys, no one remembers, you know, maybe it's even more, you know, maybe I'm selling myself short in that way, but um, without all of you, Impressions and walkouts and all that stuff. Uh, I, I doubt I'd be here talking to you guys right now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, it's interesting to me to hear, um, you know, that you knew you weren't going to be um, knocking people out every fight. And you knew that your style wasn't necessarily, I'm, I don't want to, vilify Dana White, but like he's pretty open about like he wants people to you know stand in there and and trade and and sometimes that's not the most technical thing in the world, and more times than not, it's not the most advantageous way to um, use your skills.
3: No, I tried so, it. It didn't pay off. I mean,
0: right? And and so to hear you say that, and and yet you know, and and I'm a huge fan, uh, you know that there is, let's call it an influence on fighters to fight a certain way, which may not always cater to their strengths, etc., etc. And at the end of the day, if it's about winning, it should be about that and a lot of times, like you'll come across MMA fans who are just so anti pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not saying I don't get it or, or that I have a, an issue with that, but I've had this theory that's been developing over the years where I just feel like nothing is what it seems. And especially when it comes to like entertainment sport and you've heard about how corrupt boxing is and you know you hear about um some of the contracts in pride and and how there were um you know shoots but only one guy knew he was shooting and the other one (laughs)
4: yeah
0: you know was being paid to take a dive and like anytime money's involved and we're talking big money i mean pride was turning some money over um
3: briefcases of cash
0: yeah.
3: Like I've been told by guys that are fighting there, hey, yeah, they gave me a briefcase with $200,000. <laughs> That's
0: nuts. That's like yeah. a movie. I would expect to get, um, you know, five minutes later for somebody to kill me.
3: Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I'm I, I pretty sure that was like a common thing. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Um, but so th- that being said, I, I do, I feel like. And, and wrestling fans will get so bent out of shape over certain things, and sometimes it's like, okay, I mean, it's fiction. Like we're all we're we're telling stories. It's it's fiction, um, and it's supposed to just be fun, and, and don't take it so so seriously. Um, but the more I've seen, kind of the inner workings of, like, let's say, even um uh, just combat sports in general. But I'll go even beyond that and say like uh everybody knows how corrupt boxing is but like I think football, I think I think every sport on the planet, I don't know if you've seen that documentary on the um referee with the NBA who uh was doing like uh gambling yeah, stuff game fixing. yeah blah blah blah. I just think that there's most of the things as they're presented to the public are not quite what they seem and fans these days are at a point where like they almost want to be lied to but then they'll argue about it and argue what's real and what isn't and then they it, it like gloms itself on with pro wrestling and it's like okay I mean this isn't even supposed to be real let's call it what it is um, but people get so, so bent out of shape. And, and I just think it's interesting that like, you'll have some MMA fans who are like anti pro wrestling and you know, they, it, they would never watch something that's a work, but at the same time, and I'm not asking you to give anything up about your time in the UFC or whatever, but from what I see in my brief encounters in combat sports is that, you know, there's, um, there's a little bit of setup in everything and there's jobbers in MMA, just like there's jobbers Mm -hmm. in pro wrestling and there's good matchups for guys and there's bad matchups for guys. And like, you know, fans want to think that it's this altruistic, you know, pure thing. And it's like, no motherfucker, there's nothing on the planet when it comes to competition that involves money that is pure the way, you know, the, the everyday person would think is pure, which is also, you know, it, it I don't know.
2: Well, I think, too, once you put gambling in anything, you it always throws some shade on the actual competition. And then what's funny, because UFC came out and said that they don't want their fighters gambling on the, the events. Does that say it was happening before and they had to put the garbage on it?
3: Hundred percent. Hundred there's there's tons of guys out there gambling. There's uh a number of fighters who have said that they were making more money gambling on the fights than they make from fighting or you know, like yeah. that was their yeah, like guys are using that as a a source of income, you know, and wow. there's more than like James Krause is the guy that is getting uh nailed for this, but he's not the only one. There's plenty of guys just from being around gyms that I know of that like make tons of money betting on fights wow. just by you know they follow it that closely, and being in gym and sometimes cross. you know. He's coach now. Sometimes right? you know if a guy's hurt, stuff like that. Yeah, but he's he's not betting on. He's not betting against his guys, you know. Right. Like, he, it wasn't like he was going out there, and it's kind of like the Pete Rose situation, right? He's just out there betting. Yeah. And yeah, they can I, mean, I guess it's it, bullshit.
2: It's insider trading, basically.
3: <laughs> yeah. The other yeah. thing with the UFC too, right? Is like the UFC now gets these huge. Obviously, they have pay per view. That was always big. They get these huge uh, TV contracts as well. So, when you're talking about like setting up fights or stuff like this, there, I could use it, I could point out a million instances, little things like why all of a sudden is Steve Amiocic back into the top 15 pound for pound fighters list? Like, he hasn't fought in months. The last fight he had, he got brutally knocked out. But they're talking about him fighting John Jones, and all of a sudden his name pops up back in the top 15 pound-for-pound pound fighters list. I'm kind of confused as to why that suddenly happened, so, you it know? It makes
0: about as much sense
3: as right? the, the wins and loss rating system that AEW was yeah. talking about using. Yeah. yeah. Or, like, okay, for, so for the UFC, right, who would be the best person for them to have on top? Who would be their biggest draw? For
0: the UFC to have on
3: top. Yeah, yeah. Like, if they could have one person on every single show, who would it be?
0: Any weight class?
3: Yeah, just anyone. Right? Who's going to bring in the most money for them? McGregor? McGregor, right? McGregor hasn't won a fight in... I couldn't even tell you how long.
2: Yeah, is not it? Like, four years?
3: Yeah, but his name will continually pop back up into the rankings. They always keep him in the news. If you watch... Now, granted, he's a sponsor, but if you watch these UFC shows, why is his voice is on there all the time? Like, yeah. talking about partying with proper 12. You know what I mean? So yeah. without the UFC allowing that sort of thing to happen, he's not staying as relevant as he is. So sure, to use him as an example, again, 2014, yes, I think. Maybe it was 2013. I have a fight in Sweden, right? I tear my ACL, MCL meniscus the first round. I get sent for surgery. Conor McGregor, Kat Zingano have the same uh, um, injury about the same time. They got sent for stem cell. Why did they get sent for stem cell? But, you know, I just get sent to like the normal doctor, you it's know? Because he's Irish. Ah. They're racist. <laughs> now, yeah. Well, it's just like certain people are going to get, you know, different treatment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it's interesting to hear that that goes on, you know, there too. And, and like I said, I, I just think that like fans have this like warped sense of, of what is the actual reality. Yeah. And if they knew, they would probably be less vocal about their opinions because some of their opinions, you're like, you're just talking about shit. You have no clue. And you've never done, and you don't, like, you... I mean, it's the definition of talking out your ass.
3: Yeah. Well, it's like... Sometimes when fans bring up now, it's like... uh, Fans will talk about boxing, right? Uh, Which one's better, boxing or MMA? This guy, the the boxer wouldn't stand a chance against the MMA guy. And it's like, who gives a shit? They're two completely different sports. Like, one guy dedicated his life to one sport to make money in that avenue. It's like, it's basically... You know, going like, ah, oh, man, volleyball player would lose in a fight to the MMA guy. Yeah. Well, no kidding, right? Like, it's all going to depend on the rules. If all of a sudden the volleyball player can use the ball and you're yeah. in an open court, you know what I mean? Maybe he's going to spike you in the face. We don't right. know what the deal is, hmm. you know? Yeah. Speaking That's... of making no sense earlier on, that was, a... <laughs> that was a metaphor there. I'm not quite sure I even understood it, but... That was good. That was good. That was, <laughs> we got it.
2: We got it. Um,
0: all right. So then, Tom, what what was it? So growing up, you were a fan of pro wrestling.
3: Yes. Yeah, I used to watch. I, I couldn't tell you the first thing that I saw. Like, it was either Saturday night or one of these syndicated shows or the uh the USWA or or Global Force or whatever it was show on yeah. um ESPN. But it was one of those shows. And then I, I just like remember in the morning. <laughs> no, it was it was on ESPN okay. four in the afternoon, right? When oh, I would get home from school. Perfect time. timing. Yeah. I would get home from school. I would go to my grandparents' house for about an hour, maybe an hour and a half before my parents got home from work. And it hit a point where every day, wrestling was on. So for an hour, I'd watch that. I beat up my grandfather <laughs> for that what whole time. I don't know. Grandmother. Yeah, I probably ended my poor grandfather's life like three or four years early. from your the of Physical damage.
0: Nobody knew. You heard it here first. Oh, the dude. The bomb dropped. Just- <laughs> Tom Waller's a murderer.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Call the dirt sheets. <laughs> It was uh accumulated trauma from like you know fifteen centons a day off the yeah. off his barca lounger onto
0: <laughs> the <him>. homicidal. <laughs>
3: but uh yeah, I just I remember watching it ever since then. I and I loved it, but where I grew up, there was no wrestling. Um so no, I didn't do no it.
0: Amateur wrestling.
3: No amateur wrestling, no amateur okay. wrestling. So uh I see I saw the UFC when I was 12 right 11 or 12 the UFC 2 was the first one that I saw and I mean I saw it like a week or two after it happened so pretty pretty early adopter and then I followed it like pretty closely that whole time even when it was uh, off of TV that's kind of when the internet was popping up Uh, and I would go on the internet I'd read the results I'd watch you know I'd, I'd download a clip of a fight it would take three days and get like, you know, maybe a minute's worth of action yeah. on that clip. You know, I think I still have some uh pictures of tylene Buck downloading on uh, a 56K modem from back then. <laughs> um, but like, I, I oh, love Buck. <laughs> and She's like the AOL most downloaded woman or copy serve or something, right?
0: I feel like she should be related to Matt and Nick Jackson. <laughs>
3: Yeah. she's a milf buck right hey, I mean, <laughs> she looks uh, pretty good um, but I, I think uh, honestly the guy that drew me to wrestling like, I remember watching Dan Severn fight and I remember him watching uh, watching him suplex Anthony Macias twice in a row he did the rolling Germans in an MMA fight and I'm like this is the shit this is awesome are you kidding me so I could probably, you know, if I had to pinpoint exactly like, kind of what I knew I was going to do wrestling as an avenue into pro wrestling or MMA, it was when well, I saw Dan Severn suplex and Anthony Macias. So okay. I just, I, I always knew, Bobby, I always knew.
0: So is that, um, was it just that fighting? Or getting into the the competition version of, of wrestling was more um, uh, accessible to you at the time than than pro
3: wrestling. Like uh said, yeah. Why you ended up going the direction of MMA and, and to start? Um, or no, you... I think at that at that time. Uh... <sighs> Let me think about the time frame on this. This is 2001, right? So I had been wrestling in high school. Uh, I was going into college. And I think that's about the time that the UFC started kind of picking up a little bit of steam. Like you had guys who were uh, fighting the UFC and doing like college wrestling, coaching, and, and that sort of thing. So it started becoming... You know something that you could maybe do as like a viable you know career or something along right. these lines. <clears throat> so um I think that I mean honestly, I think that's what what brought me to it. I had it's not like there was a ton of wrestling schools in Orlando right. uh, when I was there in two thousand and one. I remember like going to John Tenta's school like to check it out, yeah, but never there was like you know like no, two guys there. And it was like some, it was it so was weird. Some gigantic room, and he had like a throne, this like throne seat there, which is kind of cool, but it's also kind of bizarre. He's like, he's like, uh, Sheo Kahn in Mortal Kombat, watch the guys fight it <laughs> out in front of him. Uh, <laughs> so I, I didn't end up no, signing up no. there. Um, I was like back home visiting my family, and there happened to be a jujitsu school in town randomly. So I, started going in there and, and I had my first fight 2003. So at 20 years old.
0: Good God. Now had you, so did you wrestle all the way through high school?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I started once I, once I got to high school, uh, I went out and started, you know, trying to join the wrestling team. I got my ass handed to me left and right uh, my first year, four and 15, my second year, I, th- I think 27 and 10, then it was like, you know, 25 and two, 34 and six or something like that. And then, uh, in college I wrestled for uh, a club at UCF, uh, and, you know, we wrestled wrestle a lot of D1, D2, D3 competition, NAIA schools. Um, you know some of some of the top wrestlers in the country. I was beaten guys who were qualifying for the NCAA tournament. Uh, my last year there, I was 52. I got taken down two times that year <coughs> two times in those 52 matches. Um, so yeah, by, by the time I was done with college, um, you know I had I was a pretty good amateur wrestler.
0: But you Um, couldn't do NCAAs because you guys were in NAIA school?
3: Yeah, I had already, like – so after I was already in school, like we're doing these open tournaments and, um, you know, like I'm beating, you know, the starters at Duke and Michigan State and schools like this. Uh, So I remember like, you know, Michigan State was trying to get me for my last year, but it's like – I'd go there. I'd lose the the credits I had built up already for graduating. You know what I mean? It's like some of the stuff's not going to transfer over, and it would have been for a year of eligibility to fight it out for a spot on the team. Right. You know what I mean? It's just not, like by that point, it's kind of a a wash. Um, and it was like, what, what's the point of already beating, you know, these guys? So what's the benefit? You know. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So then, when you started fighting um, and saw so how many fights did you have before you were offered a UFC contract?
3: <clears throat> so two thousand five, uh I trained for pro wrestling, right? like when I graduated um when I graduated college, a pro wrestling school had just opened up uh, in Orlando. so I went there. And I did, God, I have to go back and look. Maybe like, maybe 18 months or something yeah. of pro wrestling. Uh, I
0: knew this. And it uh, may have come from conversation that we had when we met. <laughs> when we met at the Ring of Honor show. Um, I think you may have told us that a story maybe at the Ring of Honor show or another time. Because I've known... That you did start pro wrestling, then fought, and then, um, you know, in the process of you coming back, not not to where you are uh, now, uh, but like, let's say, uh, even around the time when I was kind of leaving the indie scene to go to NXT, um, you were actually my last match.
3: Yeah, at Beyond and, Wrestling. Yeah, yeah. what was that? 2019? Does that uh, sound
0: right? Th- maybe earlier.
3: 2018,
0: 17, or 18.
3: 17. Good God! It's 17
0: or 18, I think.
3: The pandemic really like. Yeah. Screwed my memory up for some. Yeah. reason. Yeah.
0: Well, I was Is just doing know? an application for um, global entry, my wife and I, ah, and. Yeah. Um, what a pain in the ass that thing is But like you've got to remember back To like addresses of where you lived And I was trying to think of You know did I move down here in 2017 Or was it 2018 I was pretty sure my ACL Was 2019 But I don't know then that would mean that I was I came down in 2018 But you know anyway who knows Um And again What was my point
3: <laughs> So so I did, like, 18 months, maybe, I guess, on the indies okay. in Florida, right? And uh, I had, a, uh, I had like, one of these WWE tryouts where this is back when they had Deep South. Yeah. So you remember Deep South, right? They had Deep South at OVW. With and Dusty um, Rhodes? I'm sorry?
2: With Dusty Rhodes? Was no, Dusty doing Deep they... South?
3: No, no. It was uh, Jody Hamilton. Jody yeah. Hamilton. What was his name? What was his word? He was, the
0: uh, he was the not the executioner. Uh, Jody Hamilton wore a mask. Um, Shockmaster.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Jimmy I mean, Jack. Fox. Fox. No,
0: Jody Hamilton he's was cool did wear a mask and he was something. And I'd know it if I heard it.
3: Um, I think he I think he wore a mask and he was Dick Byer. But the real Dick Byer was the destroyer. Oh, minutes, right. Is that what it was? A
0: buyer of dicks.
3: <laughs> you may have to cut that one. I'm not he sure. He was the
2: assassin. He was the assassin. Well, oh the assassin. About, I'm thinking about oh. starting
0: a new gimmick after this boxing match that I do, and I'm only gonna do it in Dubai, but um I'll be the buyer of dicks. I have lots of oil money you know, a <laughs> place to spend it other than dicks. Dick sporting goods, come on.
3: Guys, mouthpieces, cups,
2: right?
0: You know, I mean, I wish you guys would catch up. Your intelligence level is depressing.
2: You started in, uh, NXT, by the way, in 2017.
0: Who?
2: You? Uh-huh. No, Dennis. Dennis. Dennis started NXT in uh, 2017. I remember that. The, uh, I remember, the, uh, remember the, that well. The Mukaki Bandit. That like wow. Although
0: hopefully global entry doesn't. Um, <laughs> Do
3: the research you just did. No, I think I was mistaken. The Bukaki bandit—that was apparently that was my—that uh, was, was my guy. He, he, <laughs> he was he, he with Brad Maddox, didn't he? Yes, correct. Brad Maddox. Is
0: he alive?
3: Yeah, I he's alive. alive. I ain't dead. I hope they bring him back. I've been waiting years. Re- yeah, I, it's he's like so I'm back from the Fed. Come on. He's a little bit
0: weird. <laughs> yeah. well, I met him a couple times. and uh,
3: I don't you know, know, but I've seen his work.
0: He's, uh, he's a different sort of cat. <laughs> I'm not sure what to make of him. Yeah. He's, he's still alive. Well, your favorite athletes always strive to put themselves in a winning position. It's about time you did too with My
2: Bookie. My Bookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere.
1: You can bet on NFL, Major League Baseball playoffs, or play for a share of big cash prizes in the weekly blackjack tournaments. If you've been waiting for the right time to get in on the action, that time would be now. Make your winning move today.
2: Mm-hmm. Sign up at MyBookie, Use the promo code undisputed and claim your deposit match of any amount up to a thousand bucks.
0: Again, that's promo code undisputed to claim your bonus, experience sports in a whole new light, and make this season a winning one. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. <laughs> Okay. So,
1: so,
0: did you know while you were fighting that you wanted to eventually come back to pro wrestling? Because right now, like, you're working a very busy schedule. Yeah. um, Obviously successful at what you're doing. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. Mike, my, my, did you did you know all along that you thought you wanted to do that, or did that kind
3: of Well, about it's like it? I knew all along, but there really wasn't. It wasn't happening. You know what I mean? There was a time period in like two thousand five, two thousand six. Right, it was right before I went to the UFC. Right when Pride was like at its hottest, and they weren't owned by Zufa Corporation. There was tons of guys going back and forth between MMA. Uh they'd be fighting in Pride. And then they'd show up in uh New Japan. They'd show up in Zero One. Right. They'd have guys in All Japan, Noah. They'd also be fighting. Uh I you could run through like there's so many guys who are still even around now from Past years, who did MMA uh, yeah. and also wrestled. Taka Michinoku yeah. did a Pancras fight. Not a lot of guys know. Toru Yano, he fought before he even did his pro wrestling. Yeah. He fought in Pancras as part of the New Japan Tokon Club. Um, I could just, there, there's so many guys that were going back and forth, like obviously Bob Sap, Fujita, uh, Kazunori yeah. Murakami. Uh, I mean, honestly, I could just go on and on and on and on. And that was always my dream. That was always what I wanted to do. And I could have – maybe 2006, 2007 is when the UFC buys Pride and uh, it's no longer an option, right? The way that they do business is uh, completely different than the way that Pride handles itself. The fan base and markets – are completely different. Um, in a lot of ways, you know, we talked earlier about, like, the entrances and the the weigh-ins and that sort of thing. That was taken more from the Japanese side of MMA than it was from the U.S. You know, you had a couple guys that would do entrances and stuff in the U.S. Like Chuck Liddell would do an Ice Man one every once in a while or the Tito Ortiz. But um, that's kind of like uh, something stolen From Japan. So a lot of my act, I thought, I always thought was kind of like tailored more towards um, that attitude of fighting. You know, the attitude of like, it's sure, it's about whether you win or lose. And sure, it's about whether you have skill. But a lot of it is about how hard you're going to try. You know what I mean? And um, there's a lot, like in the US, I think we lose a lot of marketability when it comes to guys being fighters because we're so hell bent on these like success stories, right? Guys winning all the time. Well, there's a lot that you can learn in life from guys losing and coming back. There's a lot that you can learn in life from guys losing and then never coming back. You know, there's a lot of like human interest stories that you can get from both the sporting aspect of fighting and you know, the personal lives of the fighters and like to me, you know, pro wrestling, um, they do that aspect of it the best. And, you know, MMA has the realest action. So being able to be like involved in, in kind of both of them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, was always been my dream and, being kicked out of the UFC, I guess, was the <laughs> the best thing that could happen to make my dream a reality, you know. I know I hope I hope I'm not I hope I'm done fighting for a while, unless I get the opportunity to fight in Japan. That would probably be the only thing that would pull me out of retirement. Really? Um, yeah. But it was fun. It was fun doing you, both of it lasted. You
0: just put it out there. <laughs> yeah. People have heard it.
3: Well, I'm hoping the right people hear it.
0: Yeah. Um, I've always always found that interesting uh, from you know the early days of going to Japan myself with just how um, willing to blur the line the fans were between you know people doing both and that like it's just it's so it's treated so differently here like even wrestling fans are like, not MMA fans and vice versa. It's like, you know, how could you be? And it's like, well, I mean, they're really ones mimicking the other basically. And they're so similar. And then a little infusion of pro wrestling. Like we talked, you talked earlier about Conor McGregor and his whole spiel is nothing more than a gimmick. So like a little bit of pro wrestling interjected into it. um, It makes MMA, the competition of it, just it, it makes it more palatable for the person who at times maybe doesn't know exactly what they're watching from a technical standpoint, you know, and they can, they can still invest in it and be entertained by it outside of it just being a complete, you know, slugfest or, or bloodbath where like, you know, skill kind of goes out the window and two guys are just winging punches.
3: Yeah, and I think I think wrestling, like obviously, like you said, it's a work, right? So they they can pick and choose what to put out there and, and the stories to display. And I think MMA has got a lot better um, with like, I guess I guess not necessarily having gimmicks for guys, but I mean, for lack of a better term, like Jorge Masvidal, right? Like uh, he's never going to be the champion, but they I created know. this. Bmf title yep. that he can have and this aura around him, you know what I mean. Yeah. So there, there's certain things that you could do that the UFC and other MMA companies have done. Yeah. Um, obviously, to borrow straight up, just steal from pro wrestling. The UFC is basically, uh, you know, a copy of the WWE's business model, right. you know, just tailored to shoot fights.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And please tell me how Conor McGregor which you've already mentioned or Nate and Nick Diaz um, or Masvidal and like really the people that you're talking about at the top of top end, you know, of the company. um, Tell me how they're anything other than
3: a gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it doesn't
0: come from any reality, but it's so turned up that it's like, okay, But he's that big of an asshole, but it's just way more interesting when McGregor is running down so-and-so's wife, you know, and and it sells
2: pay-per-views.
3: Like, you can't convince me that the UFC didn't know that he was there ready to throw that dolly through the bus. Yeah. Right, like yeah. there's obviously there's cameras everywhere backstage, but there's cameras there rolling, like there's yeah. cameras inside the bus. How did he, he and all these other guys get backstage there, anyways? You know what I mean? They flew over from Ireland, right? He just, <laughs> it's like, or this this Nate Diaz and comes uh, at Chamaya fiasco, right? He just so yeah. happens to miss weight by eight pounds, but they can shuffle the card around. And this guy's now fighting this guy. It's right. like sometimes, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's like a f- the fix is in. But I mean, what what are we doing here? Agree. You know, just look yeah. at what happened. Like clearly somewhere along the lines, the fix is in. I'm not saying it was from the get go. You know right. what I mean? Maybe midway through this whole thing, they figured out, oh, shit, we've got to switch this up. Right. But don't pretend like it's all just. You know it fell into place like that And nobody got paid extra and this and that It's like that's not how it works
0: Well I guess that's kind of what My point was earlier when it comes To all this stuff is like some people are Ready to like you know Plant their flag and like Die on this hill Fan wise You know if it is the one to Die on and it's like okay But you don't really Even know what you're defending because much of what you are defending, um, you don't know all of the truth. Like you, you don't know. You know what you are allowed to see, and what you're allowed to see is only part of the story.
3: Yeah, like when it comes to MMA, the fans are allowed to see the fights, right? Like they don't right. see them. They don't see the rest of it. They don't see. Okay, uh, we're gonna match this guy up with this guy because we know that he's coming off this injury and this. You know this guy's, um, you know, on a hot streak, and yeah. this guy just fought and he's worn down. So we're gonna put yeah. him in here with this guy. You know, like it's easy, it's easy to see if you're looking for it, right? Right. But people want to just believe what they want to believe. Obviously, people, like, nobody wants to be wrong. They want right. to be right. So if they want to believe that, oh, well, clearly McGregor's one of the top, you know, five guys in the world. He's ranked number five. Well, yeah, there's like 15 other dudes who aren't going to get a a sniff of the media coverage that he does because they don't talk like him. They don't do this. They don't do that. So they're not going to get the matchups. There's like I couldn't even tell you how many guys there are in the world who when I was, you know, top 15 in the UFC might have just been able to beat the shit out of me. But we'll never know. Because they weren't going to get that shot, you know, for one right. reason or another. So,
0: so do you think? Uh, so let's say so. There's a UFC card this weekend, so t- UFC 280, um, and there's a guy fighting on that card, uh, Sean O'Malley, and he's, yeah. you know, a, 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 of the. I don't know what the name of the generation
3: is, but I believe <laughs> it be the generation that like my uh, daughters are included in. I think he's in um, Generation Weed.
0: <laughs> For sure. Yeah, and there's a good amount of weed going on there. Um, but so then, would a guy like um, Sean O'Malley do you think okay, he's doing it. He's He's taking advantage of the situation and, and now like he's not necessarily not speaking with his fighting. But that's the thing he gets knocked for. Um, if anybody's knocking him, is that like, yeah. okay, well, he hasn't fought anybody. Um,
3: and, and when he did, he got beat.
0: Yeah, yeah. Although he'll still not call that a win, <laughs> but I mean, come on. Like, yeah, he got, so kicked, fair, he got you know, kicked
3: down to the um, ground. He couldn't get up. Yeah. Anything else. Yeah.
0: So um, I guess my, my question is that what – when you watch that, do you think that's a guy who's kind of figuring it out? Because he is making way more money than his rank would garner
3: him. Yeah, I right. think. I, yeah, I I do think actually. You know what? Like, I'm not uh like a big card cali- carrying member of the Sean O'Malley fan club. Um, sure. I wouldn't I wouldn't call myself like even necessarily a fan of his fighting style or his character. Uh, But he's very intelligent as far as having figured out a gimmick, having figured out a character, having figured out a way to, uh, you know, put his, you know, characteristics out to the forefront uh, and kind of push those ahead of his fighting because it's paid off. You know, there's a, a large number of fans who—it's uh, not my cup of tea, right? It's like you said, it's a different generation, right? Like I can't really identify uh, with the pop culture leanings of of his style, but I understand that there's plenty of people who do, and that they are Sean O'Malley fans, right? right? Yeah. So I, do th- I think he's got it figured out, and like he's probably—I mean. I'm sure he's probably done interviews and said this, but he's probably making more money from sponsorships and outside of the cage stuff uh, than he is from his contract. He's alluded to do nowadays.
0: Yeah, he's alluded to stuff like that, and I I certainly know that. Like some people within pro wrestling, um, I know people I'm very close to who, you know, their Twitch pages, they're successful. Let's just Mm -hmm. put it that way.
3: I think when it comes to, like, MMA, too, right, you got to kind of look at it in the realm of, like, if MMA was just, say it's pro wrestling, right, you're not going to have 10 guys with the same gimmick in one organization. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't think that there's room for another Sean O'Malley. No. You know what I mean? Like, sure, there's there's another room for guys with big mouths. Right, but not the colorful hair, not the you know incessant weed smoking right. that sort of thing. Even the Diaz brothers, right? They're a different kind of character. They hell, they don't talk at all. Right. You know what okay. I mean? Like that's their gimmick. They might be you know potheads, but they they barely talk at all. When they do, it's all just expletives. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so the only like,
0: real commonality between them and O'Malley is the weed.
3: The weed, yeah. right? Then you got like cowboy, right? You don't have 10, 15 cowboy guys right out there, right? You got cowboy. Cowboy. Yeah. Right. You know, so it's kind of like uh if you're like a young MMA fighter and you're coming up, you've kind of got to look at the lay of the land, right? And figure out like what's my avenue that I can go to here. Because there's not sponsorships and that sort of thing, like it was before, where companies were willing to just give money out and like spread the wealth. Now, right? Th- there may be an opportunity, but it's probably only for that one guy, you know, yeah. in that realm. So, I think Sean O'Malley's got that on lockdown. Yeah, I think he's so, a genius. Too. Whoever somebody needs to get now that Paige VanZant's kind of out of the way, they need to get the the foot picture deal on lock <laughs> the if they really the want to make some money. Yeah, the foot fetish.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know so Tom when um, you started to go back uh, down the pro wrestling path was because you said that uh, you had seen the ability of some guys that were fighting and the blurry line that existed in Japan of work, shoot blah, blah, blah and um, Did you know right away, like, okay, well, Japan's kind of where I want to, I want to go. Uh,
3: like that had been my idea when I was younger, you know, anyways, like when I had wrestled earlier on, like Uh, 2005, 2006, around then, like, that's where, that's where kind of what I wanted to do anyways. was like my, I always thought I would just end up in Japan,
0: right?
3: you know, fighting.
0: Was that a conscious thought though, this time as an adult, when you were, um, you know,
3: you were going to be done fighting and, and... I mean, yeah, obviously. Um, and that's actually, that's probably a point where new Japan was at like a really hot time. Right. They were having the super shows with ring of honor all the time. Yeah. Um, and really, uh, really on the come up. Right. Um, yeah, it was like, I had hoped that that would happen. Uh, but at that point I was still kind of trying to figure out like what, what was going to happen with myself, in wrestling you know it's a lot yeah. different world than it was in 2005 like the indie scene barely even existed uh back then and certainly not like it does now yeah. um and not like it did in 2016 or 17 or you know whatever it was that we wrestled so uh i had like no clue like you know i had no clue if i'd be any good i didn't know if i could remember spots i didn't know if i would just say, hey, I'm going to do some comedy matches, and I was still fighting at the time, so maybe I'm just going to stick with fighting. So, it was kind of like open-ended, which is good and bad because it, uh, you know, I felt like I could try a lot of things, but at the same time, it's always, you know, better to have some sort of focus. Yeah. Right. And um, you know, luckily, really luckily for me, once the pandemic hit, uh, New Japan decided to uh, start running shows in the U.S. regularly um, and, you know, once that kind of happened, that became my my goal. You know, that was like goal number one. It's on the table. There's there's an opportunity. This could actually happen. You know what I mean? Rather than it just being a, a pipe dream and uh, hoping to get there through, you know, maybe another company or something like that. Um, you know, that's really like Two years ago is when I I knew it was going to happen.
0: Nice. So it's been two years now. Um, you're doing mostly New Japan Strong. Obviously, mm-hmm. right now they're they're still not open. Although that process is beginning to happen, from what I'm told, as far as guys going back over to work. Yeah. So old. I
3: just I was there for six weeks. Uh, for the G1, okay. and I'll be going back uh, in four weeks. Okay. I'll, be going back, I'll be going back a month from today. for. Uh, there's a joint show between New Japan and Stardom, so the first ever uh, crossover show between the two. It'll be myself and Shuri Kondo, who was another former UFC fighter, the current World of Stardom champion. Against uh, her number one contender Julia and Zack Saber Jr. So, um, oh. one of three mixed tags on okay. the show, I don't know how I ended up on the show. I don't know how I ended up in that match. Uh, I feel like a, it's like make a wish, and they just let me book a, a, a you know a <laughs> random match on the show because uh, that's probably the one I would have picked. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, I'm, I'm, like, super excited to go back for that. But beyond that, I got no clue. You know what I mean? Like, So do um, you know what the rules will be? Like,
0: is it only female against female and male against male? Like, do you have to tag back out?
3: Yeah, it's supposed to be mixed tag rules. It's supposed to be, like, uh, male against male and female against female. But I have been threatened repeatedly already of course, uh, by Julio, who's trying to slap me, headbutt me. And, like, they don't do, like, the protected headbutts where you, like, grab the guy's hair and you headbutt him. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like the straight-up, like, clonking headbutt, you know, the, the CTE-style one. So Yeah. I'm, not well, really I'm pretty sure, sure that
0: the match I did with Shibata a few years ago in uh, New Japan, um, before he put me to sleep, he headbutted me. And um, the thud, like, I could feel it in my teeth it's just so like he <laughs> just thought, wow, that was that necessary?
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: I don't know. I don't know if it well, was. Well, uh, I mean, in the long run for him, probably, probably not. Yeah. Hey, but sometimes, guys. sometimes you just feel it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I get it. And you know, it's easy <laughs> to get
0: carried away. Um, would you say that you are more a fan of the Japanese style than you are of what would be considered, I mean, I guess the American style, but I'm going to say like WWE, because at this point, the American style has been so bastardized and butchered that I don't know that there is an American style
3: anymore. Yeah.
0: Like, I feel like there's lots of, like, subdivisions of American style. And some of them
3: suck. You know what there's actually very little of? Is, like, American 80s or early 90s style wrestling. Where you have a little bit of back and forth. You have some hip tosses, some arm drags. Especially yeah. at indie shows. You very rarely get that. I think because guys... Uh, skip the fundamentals yes. a lot. Um, and they yeah, want right, to jump right through big shit. moves. Yeah. yeah. So you rarely ever get guys doing, like, tackle, drop-down, hip toss, really solid fundamentals. And th- that's one of the things that I notice the most, um, I think, on, like, indie shows sometimes is every once in a while there will be, like, a young lion from New Japan or, yeah. or like, um, a yeah. younger guy that comes over from there who you watch and they don't do 90% of the crazy shit, but their fundamentals and their wrestling is so solid. It's so much better yeah. than most of the people on the shows that it blows my mind. And they do like a closer style to what like a eighties or early nineties WWE wow. or, or American style match would be with, you know, you'll have some back and forth, some hip tosses, some submissions, some Boston crabs, and they're fighting, you know um now you get a lot especially on the uh, american indies a lot of uh parroting of the noah style or the late 90s all japan style people will go like oh these guys are having a strong style fight and it's like no 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 no. strong style is all it is is mixed martial arts techniques yeah (laughs) applied to uh professional wrestling yeah you know what i mean What these guys are doing a lot of times is just I mean, I get it, like you're getting a reaction from the crowd, that's what you're there to do. Uh Um, but it's like a bastardization, like you mentioned, of Uh of a different style. And um, I love honestly, like Mike, if I could pick a few different styles, like I love late 90s WWF hardcore matches, (laughs) right? Like I'm not big on death matches. I think they're like, for the most part, just like abhorrent. Yeah, right? I, I do But too. I love, or or like a you know like an ECW style hardcore match where it's not just buckets of blood. There's you know some objects in there. Like like you would do like if you were in a street fight with you know 15 of your buddies fighting 15 other dudes and you find some cool shit during the fight. Maybe you do yeah. a move to somebody like throw a bucket or a table. That's what I like. That's what I enjoy seeing uh, when it comes to the hardcore style matches. I love, uh, you know, like you mentioned, strong style, like MMA style matches and comedy wrestling. Those are my favorite, like just ridiculous. My yeah. favorite team I think of all time is the Florida Brothers, who were a Dragon Gate team, who were just straight comedy, ridiculous spots, yeah. like fake hands. Uh, just I mean, just crazy stuff throughout the matches, but like, I like it all. You know, I get that. I totally get that. And I, and I think that
0: there is, I think the humor that's been injected into wrestling these days and something that would have never been the case before, but I think there's a good, there's definitely a place for it. And, um, the uniqueness of some of the gimmicks. Um, I just, one that comes to mind is, uh, uh, Dan house and mm-hmm. like, you know, the it's, it's a parody of a parody and that's what makes it entertaining and funny. And it's, it's tongue in cheek and it's clever. Um, but then I think you get a good amount of guys on the U S in DC that are going out and they're literally, they're a parody, j- just a parody of a pro wrestler or just a parody of a, uh, mixed martial artist, or they're just a parody of something. And I think it comes down to the fact that like, for the most part, because the variables are controlled and it's not competition, actually um, we can paint the canvas with anything we want to paint it with. And guys just decide like, okay, well, I think that is cool. I'm going to start doing that. And I don't feel like there's too much wrong with that, but this is a visual business, let's face it. So pick something that either A, you do well naturally, or B, go out and get good at it before you start putting it on TV, asshole. Because yeah. honestly, what you're doing is insulting people's intelligence. If, if you are working with somebody who does that style better than you do, but yet now they are saddled with putting over some of your stuff that doesn't look right um, that's a shitty thing to do to a coworker. worker
3: um, especially- you you probably don't do it Bobby but if people go and look at like gifs on Twitter Twitter Twitter's great and it's the worst yeah, simultaneously of right of but if you go look at like the gifs from Wrestling, like you will see people post just terrible, terrible moves on their own part, putting them over. You know what I mean? Or just spots that look like absolute garbage compared to somebody who's doing it properly. Uh, I can't tell you how many shitty spin kicks I've seen on Twitter throughout the past three years. Right, and there's guys who throw good spin kicks. Yeah, you know what I mean. You're one of them. Well, now I mean, just, you know what I'm, I mean.
0: That's why I'm asking people just to like if if that's the lane you're gonna go, just go train so that yeah it looks appropriate. and You're not insulting people's intelligence, um, but I I just I, people want to do the stuff that's cool, and they they don't want to put in the the repetitions and. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe it's based on where your back, what your background is, and how you you came up. But I mean, I came up playing, you know, a few different sports, and all of those sports, like I worked hard in every one of them, and that doesn't make me special. And I'm not looking for a pat on the back. It's just that was ingrained in me. Like, okay, if you want to be better at this, you're gonna have to put the time in. And that time's got to be well spent you can't be um coasting or lollygagging your way through that time or else you've just wasted your time and i just feel like because we control all these variables with pro wrestling like guys they don't want to put the time in but they still want to they still want the spoils of the uh whatever you want to call it, you know, it's like you you reap what you sow. You're supposed to do the farm work before you get the return. You know, it's not, and people get it backwards and yet it's just, just is what it is. Why? Because it's pro wrestling.
3: (laughs) I I think it's like, it comes down like, especially with MMA, right. Pro wrestling as well in different ways, but it comes down to, the fact that you're going to get out of something, what you put into it. Yeah. Right. So like in my mind, there's a lot more that I want from professional wrestling throughout the rest of my life. Hopefully it's another, you know, 20 or 30 years that I'm, I'm wrestling or something, you know? (laughs) Um, But like, I realize, like there's a lot more work that I need to do if that's going to be the case. You know what I mean? And that's coming from somebody who people may look at and go, ah, this guy was just in Japan. He was in the G1. You know, like, he's at a a good point in his career. Like, there's so much more that I want to accomplish and that I want to do that, like, I need to get my ass in gear. You know what I mean? I need to to get working harder. Like, I feel like I've been coasting a little bit lately, and, you know, I, I can't let that happen. There's too many good guys out there. There's too many good wrestlers. There's too many uh, guys who are doing the right thing. There's just as many guys who aren't, but there are guys out there who are training, who are busting their ass, who are getting better. And, yeah. you know, even at, at the stage of my career, I can't let them pass me up. Sure.
0: I mean, I being, um, not under contract for the first time in like 10 years, I've gotten a little bit more familiar with the indie scene and stuff. And we've actually seen each other on shows as well. Um, and I just, I feel like, um, guys like yourself and there are some others that are putting in the work, um, to be better and get better. Um, I think there's still more people not doing it and don't get it, but that's okay too. I would rather the, you know, it be a more exclusive level, um, for the ones that are willing to to put the work in and, um, and get it that way. I don't know. Obviously, I'm a little biased, but I think New Japan's a great place for you to be, um, given what your cachet is um, and how they interpret things. Um, and I, I, it was um, interesting to see just how much um, pro wrestling is your lane. You know, as opposed to, because you got so many people want to do MMA influenced stuff. And again, it's a, a cart before the horse. Like, well, go train a little bit, then maybe put, try putting it on TV. Don't just, you know, talk to some asshole at the Planet Fitness. <laughs> he teaches you how to do something. And next thing you know, you're, you're whipping it out on TV. Like... Um, But I I feel like a lot of Like majority of what I've seen From you is like it's just It's classic pro wrestling
3: Like to me I think One of the biggest uh, things that I don't want to say Like separates me from a lot of the people Who do it but um, Like I'm not afraid To make myself look like an ass In the uh, world of Professional wrestling right Like I don't need to come off As a tough guy Really bad like a lot of guys do, and I think that's where uh that's where guys kind of get stuck like they don't understand their role if you are like my role is to be a badass until it's somebody else's turn to be more badass than me or to make right. me look like a fool, right you yeah. know what I mean and sometimes with m m a guys you don't need to ever get that yeah. you know what I mean it's just the the badass persona it's just this person's in in one lane. And um, to me, it's like there's, there's probably a lot of wrestling fans who never one time in their life watched me fight. Right. They like, know I was in the UFC. So what they know of me is that, well, I'm like a tough guy. Well, if I can make the other guy look tougher than me, you know, in, in the ring or in that match, great. Yeah. Granted, if, as long as that's what the story calls for, then, you know I've done a great job,
0: yeah. That's you know what I mean? you know, and,
3: and like to me, that's kind of like that's how I view my role, yeah. uh in wrestling, you know, and especially when like a lot of times these indie shows, if I go somewhere and it's like um you know, we talked about Ric Flair earlier. Like one of the coolest things to me about Ric Flair being the champion and touring all over the place is like he'd go to a place and try his best to put over the guy in that hometown, you right. know what I mean? And that's one of the most fun things you can do on like some of these small indie shows. Um, That's one of the, one of the best things you can practice uh, if you're like an MMA fighter and you're used to just being a badass in there, like make yourself vulnerable, you know, get beat up. It's only gonna, it's only gonna make the match better. It's only gonna make you better. Um, And and really like, that's why, that's why I love pro wrestling. You know, I don't have to go out there and, and try to pretend to be something that I'm not right i don't have to go out there and be uh try to be like a super serious badass all the time i can let my guard down a little bit and i can let the other guy you know it's it's his time to be tough i've had my day right you know what i mean i retired for a reason
0: <laughs> uh i get it i get it well what's uh what's on the Upcoming radar for Tom Lawler. Said so you just got back from uh, the G
3: one. So, Bobby, where I'm heading first, on November 20th is the historic X, right? New Japan and Stardom. Filthy Tom Lawler and Shuri taking on Zack Saber Jr. and Julia. Uh, before that, I mean, you can catch me. I like. You may just run into me in your hometown at one of these random indie shows. My hometown? Be, maybe. Maybe your home. It might be <laughs> where you live now. could be anywhere. This, this Saturday, I'll be in Trenton, New Jersey. Right? Ooh, Sunday. Lovely Trenton, New Jersey. Beautiful. Some of the best tire smell in the whole country right there. <laughs> Trenton, New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, Las Vegas the next day. Then I'm going to be in New York. For a few days for New Japan, then Seattle. Okay. After that, for Defy Wrestling. So, Oh, I
0: wonder if that's the same show.
3: It's all over the place. I
0: got Defy too. Um, and I will be doing Defy in December.
3: Ah, is this a mystery run in? I hope not. No. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be more no. To edit
0: out.
3: <laughs> Have you worked Defy before?
0: I did. I worked yeah. uh, Defy against uh, New Japan Young Boy, uh, Umira.
3: Oh, Umura. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Washington uh, Hall, Seattle. What's that? Was it in Seattle? Yeah. 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 Love that place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's That's a cool the- building.
3: Yeah. The old historic yeah. theater.
0: Yeah, it's a cool building. I do notice something though. Now that I've been back doing some indies and stuff, is they uh, lower the house lighting some of these places because Mm -hmm. it does look cool on video. However, not the best thing for pro wrestling. And maybe it's me, but like my depth perception isn't good to begin with. So when you turn the lights down, like it's, um, you know, concert of some kind, Uh you can't see like, and then you have dark
3: ropes, (laughs) It's I like it. It problems. makes it more real. So when I miss, I have an excuse where I really pepper the guy. <laughs> right. I <laughs> can blame right. it on that. Oh, yeah. sorry. That little yeah. sip the house lighting was low. <laughs>
0: yeah. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Well, so it seems like you got a pretty good thing going on with New Japan. Uh, they, I know, um, you know, because I know people, Tom. I know they're uh, – I know they're happy to have you and happy with, uh, how you perform, et cetera, et cetera. So you're in a good spot, man. As far maybe, as
3: maybe, know. maybe we can get you back in there one day. Eh,
0: you never know. You never know. I mean, I'm, I'm not under contract at the moment. I, uh, I do have the, um, thing in Dubai is a two fight deal. So I will fight again somewhere down the road. But outside of that, everything else is like fill in the blanks. It's, you know, true independent contractor just out there doing the thing. Like I'll uh, I'll, I'll do signings. I'll do, you know, dunk tanks. I'll do <laughs> the fair. <laughs> the fair.
2: Clean um, my bathroom. Uh, no. No? <laughs> no.
0: I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a janitor, Frank. I <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong
2: with being oh, a gym.
0: I will clean your bathroom that well. It's one of the things <laughs> that I get in trouble for here at home is my wife would like me to just, you know, do some stuff. And a lot of times I'll do the stuff, but I do the stuff wrong.
2: You did clean the garage a few weeks ago, though. You nailed it. I this, you know?
0: I painted the garage, too.
2: Oh, oh, oh. whoa, that that whoa.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I, yes. I've done, You're a man's man. I've hung you're, some. You're like bands. You're like. I've hung hung some lights. You're I've a done. modern
2: day Stephen Regal. Well hung,
0: a man's man. Yeah, yeah. Steve Regal, man's man.
2: Yeah, Yeah.
0: All right. So, um, Tom, thank you for sharing your time with us.
3: That was pretty Tom's much. Got-
2: Pretty much what to be honest. Tom's got some cool stuff
3: behind him. What's he got going behind him there?
2: Oh boy, that's a is that player. a Kurt Angle
1: milk truck? Is that what yeah. I, yeah, oh,
3: yeah, oh, that's the Multimania. Well, I could grab that one pretty easily. If you want to take a look at it? I got a lot of
0: stuff in here. Oh, shameless plug with the back of that shirt.
3: Look at that $20. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm going to show you the uh, competition right here.
0: Yes, I see that. Well, you know, I've noticed in the last few years, quite a few um, wrestling entities have um, commercialized the word era. Hmm.
3: (laughs) I think my New Era has been, been around for like 70 years.
2: <laughs> I'm just saying.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, guess, so I got some other cool stuff back there, Frank. What else do you see? I see that McGregor-Diaz
2: poster is pretty cool.
3: Yeah, I fought on that show. That's signed by all... It's probably the most expensive item in here is my guess. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I got, I got a cane... Oh, uh, hold on! Signed Kane. Oh, wow!
0: Is that the man cave, Tom?
3: Uh it's my office slash man cave. Yeah. Okay. These I've got about fifty something figures right there. Uh, most of them are Japanese figures. A lot of Pride Pancras. I've got a Pride belt that was like eight hundred dollars replica belt over here. Holy. Uh, yeah, some cool good for stuff. you! Outstanding.
1: Yeah, this little collection of some stuff
3: got some tangas. Tangas? Yeah.
0: You just went Boston accent <laughs> Tangas. What's a tangy?
3: Uh, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's uh, that's a good place to finish it up. <laughs>
3: That's a good choice of words.
0: <laughs> We've quieted Tom Haller. We've made him not want to talk. <laughs> Gentlemen, anything?
2: I'm Frank, good. Yeah, no. I'm, can... What? I'm good. Dennis?
1: Yeah, no, I'm good. I mean, it, it never helps to, you know, give a little shameless self-plug to the stuff that we have for sale. Sure. Frank. Just queued
0: you up, Frank. Here we go. That's
1: there good, Frank. Is. We're still we're still not using the video because Bobby's no. naked in this one. But um... I'm not
0: naked. I just took <laughs> my sweater off because it's hot.
2: And so even a... if I there
0: were There it is. Like it wouldn't make a difference. Like I, I you see in my shoulders.
1: Right. that is, that is true. But for those oh. of you on the on the audio side of everything, Frank no, is wearing the undisputed t shirt.
2: The undisputed podcast t shirt. That's it. What are you doing? Can't
1: show a nipple
2: on the... Bobby's got shoulders like my four-year-old son does. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right.
2: <thank> you. <laughs> on that note. <clears throat> I think they look good. Oh,
0: thank you. <laughs>
3: We've it's lost control. To a couple weeks. Nice. That, that was that was directed at you, Frank.
2: <laughs> yes. Thank you.
0: Okay. Well, Frank, just happy to be here.
2: As always, as always. All right. Tom, any
0: any parting words for the? Demi pod faithful.
2: The oh. potheads. Oh, au revoir.
0: The potheads. Au Thank
2: revoir. You. Potheads. Thank you for having me.